All right, welcome back to From Eight Arbitration, and you'll never believe who I'm looking at right here. <laughs> I'm looking at, at the man himself, Mr. Jason Leith. JB, he made, I told y'all, I gave you my word, he's coming today, do this Dean's case, and he's here. Uh, before he gets started, let me talk about the sale. <clears throat> let me talk about selling something. And that's what all this is about. Is about the sale. Uh, anytime I go into arbitration and the grievant, he'll ask, you know, what's our chances? I'll always tell him it's 50-50. That's arbitration. I don't know. You know, we're going to go in there. We're going to put on a good show. 99% of the time we're going to win the hearing, but that doesn't mean we're going to win the decision. But it's all about the sale. Um, management thinks they're going to win just as much as we do. They've put their case together to win just like we did. But we've got to sell ours. If Take, for instance, if you're going to go buy a fruit basket. Let's use a fruit basket, for instance. If you're going to go buy a fruit basket and you go to this store and they're side by side, both of them sell fruit baskets, and you go into this one and both the fruit baskets are the same price. Both of them are $20. And you go in this one store and it's got a, an apple, got a bruise on it. You might have a couple of slices of orange in it. A banana, it's done turned black. It just looks like hell. <laughs> it's $20 worth. You go next door, and here's one that's got watermelon slices. It's got the reddest apples you've ever seen before. It's got banana slices. You've even got some, some chocolate-covered strawberries in it. Some chocolate covered cherries in that thing. A couple of bottles of wine, some cheese, box of chocolates, $20. Which one are you going to buy? You're going to buy that fat one. <laughs> That's the one you're going to buy. That dude knew how to sell something. The other person didn't. That's arbitration. We got to sell something to the arbitrator. Whenever there's something that's a tweener, like deems, that's a tweener. You look at arbitral, and, and JB's going to talk about it. You look at arbitrable precedence, it's a tweener. So we have to sell something to the arbitrator. I'm going to tell a story on JB here. <laughs> we, we have fun in arbitration. I always try to do my, my, I call this my house, my branch. Anytime there's an arbitration here, I want to do it. I don't want anybody else to come in and do an arbitration at my house. So I always have him. He's my formal A, so I'm, I'll always, 100% of the time, I'm using JB in arbitration. He's a fantastic witness in arbitration. But he knows how to sell his position. He can sell a case. We have taken cases, and you can ask him if you ever see him, and he can tell you if I'm lying or not. But we've taken cases into arbitration that were losers, <laughs> and we knew they were losers. Uh, but he was able to sell something to the arbitrator, and we came out winners. Uh, one case in particular was a gentleman out of a station. He'd not been to work in a year. And uh, no call, no nothing. He just he was on light duty. They gave him a light duty job offer. He took it. Well, just one day he got tired of it. So he gets up. All he had to do was sit out in the lobby. And talk to customers and greet customers. Well, he didn't like that. So he just gets up and he walks out. They don't see this guy for a year. 
They send him letters, return to work letters, report for investigative interview letters, nothing. One day, he just reaches out to JB. Hey, man, what should I do about all this? He's like, damn, dude, where you been? So anyway, they fire this guy. He's just abandoned his job. So we go in there, and we're having a good time of it, man. I mean, we have a good time, but JB, he doesn't know it. He's testifying under direct. I'm questioning him. So JB, he starts going off on management. So he starts off kind of quiet. He's like, well, the supervisors knew it. And he starts getting hot. <laughs> he starts getting heated. He says, the managers knew it. The formal aid knew it. <laughs> then he points over at management, at labor. They knew it, pointing at them. Well, he don't know it, but he's out of his chair. <laughs> he's leaning over the table, pointing at labor. They knew it. And so uh, I have to calm him down. I am say, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I said, come on, baby. <laughs> Sit back down. Calm down. Well, the arbitrator's cracking up, man. He's loving it. And uh, that's selling something to the arbitrator. That's passion. That's selling your position. That's the one where when we took a break, the arbitrator told me, he's like, I see you brought your ace today. I said, oh, yeah. So I can't leave him at home. He said, I've been doing it a long time, Corey. He said, he's the best I've seen. That's selling something to the arbitrator. We took a loser into arbitration. We knew it. We were having fun with it, though, man. We had a good time of it. And uh, he sold his position to the arbitrator. And they brought the, he brought the guy back. Full back pay. All that to say this. <clears throat> when you're putting your case file together, do it so that when you get into arbitration, you're able to sell your position to the arbitrator. That's all this is. That's all these podcasts are, is Putting your case file together to sell your position to the arbitrator. JB's going to tell you a lot of stuff today. Things go over a lot. Information that you're going to request. This is us selling our position to the arbitrator. So he's fixing to come up. Just remember that. Uh, he's going to tell you this information to request. But again, at the end of uh, when he's done, I'm going to put that information in the where I always put my sites if he has a site i'll put that in there i think he's got a site from arbitrator august one that he did a fantastic job on sold this to the arbitrator better than any case he's ever been on a devastating case that we had against management she awarded it to us um i'll put that in there any of the the information that he tells you about i'm going to put that in there so you'll know what to request and he's going to tell you how to request it I promise you management's not going to know what this is, most of them. And he'll tell you a funny story about that as well. But anyway, deems desirable, very intricate, uh, very complex. But he's going to break it down to you from ground level. All right? So without further ado, hey, I told you he's coming. He's here. I'm looking at him. <laughs> Here's the man himself. Here's JB. Well, all right, Corey. Uh, glad to be back. Uh, thanks for having me back. I, I don't know about all those uh, accolades you just gave me, but I do appreciate the uh, warm and kind introduction. Uh, we we have had some uh, great times, and representing letter carriers is uh, not only a huge responsibility, but it has been a very gratifying responsibility. So take it very serious to heart. It is something that uh, when I started, it began to snowball. And so uh, I can't be more thankful for the, uh, the opportunity I've been given 
the things that people have helped me along the way, but the help that I've been able to give people. Um, coming in here to do uh, this episode, I want to preface again, I, I'm not an expert in anything. I, I've worked extremely hard to be knowledgeable, but it's been through a lot of hard work. A lot of people have been influential in helping me, but again, I'm not an expert in anything, but if anybody, and I've always said, and I think Corey would agree, if somebody's willing to talk, I am willing to listen because at the end of the day, they do not teach these things in grade school. This is self-taught. This is people reaching out. This is helping others. And we gain knowledge and knowledge is power. So if somebody's willing to listen, and I hope that the, the listeners out there can find this beneficial. Um, anytime we teach something, we have to maybe go from the understanding that we're talking to an individual that has no knowledge of what we're talking about. And we want to help that individual become better. If you have a great understanding of Deems Desirable and you already have a great case file and template and things that you like to utilize, then great. That is awesome. But there is a lot of individuals out there that don't even know what Deems Desirable is or how to go about even representing a case or build a case to represent our brothers and sisters when it comes to Deems Desirable. So I appreciate all the positive remarks, the warm introduction. Uh, hopefully this will be beneficial. So let's uh, not waste any more time and let's just get into it. What is Deems? If you've never heard Deems Desirable before, or if that's not even registering to you, it is your supervisor or manager has Deems documentation desirable to protect the interest of the Postal Service for an unexpected absence. What type of documentation could be actually what may be become an actual <laughs> argument or fight, but for just the definition of deems desirable, it is that your manager or supervisor has notated in ERMS, the Enterprise Resource Management System, that a call-in is going to require you or notify you that you are to provide documentation to protect the interest of the Postal Service for your unexpected absence. So if you go and start trying to research deems, and I told you in the last episode, I always encourage, uh, encourage stewards, uh, formal aid representatives, whoever. In the last episode, I told you I always encourage stewards or, or representatives to gain knowledge and one of the most beneficial uh, resources we have available and the thing that we should be most knowledgeable of is our JCAM. That's the four corners of our contract and the interpretation of those provisions inside. I also encourage stewards to reach to the MRS. You can go on the NALC.org website. You can find the MRS there. And a lot of key documents, step four documents, regional arbitrations, national arbitration awards, you'll find those in the MRS and the Postal Service position and the USPS position or the NALC's position and their agreement to those. Always go to the index. Go to the index. Look at what you're looking for. Now, the problem with deems desirable is when you go to the index, you're not going to find it. But what deems desirable is talking about, it's talking about our leave. And if you look at leave and you go to page index-15 in the JCAM, you'll see leave. You'll see our annual leave. Then you'll see sick leave. And you'll see medical certification. That's what we're really talking about here. We're talking about documentation to substantiate your absence. That's what management is now holding you accountable to. 
and it will tell you to go to page 10-14 of the JCAM. So before we get to talking about information and contentions and our arguments, we need to know the contract provisions that we're going to be investigating, that we're going to be knowledgeable of, stewards. Okay, if we're brand new and we're starting out, we got to educate ourselves on the contractual provisions that we're going to be discussing when we file a grievance with management. And knowledge is power. And it doesn't take a lot of knowledge now to be more uh, knowledgeable than your supervisor or manager. But do your homework. Understand these provisions. And that way when you go to discuss this grievance, you'll be very knowledgeable and be able to present your case. I'm going to read these uh, again. Uh, read these just for this uh, episode. Sorry, I don't like to read a lot, but we're going to go ahead and do that just so we get this information out there. Now, the index told us to go to page 10-14 of the JCAM. And when you see right there on this page, it's going to be talking about medical certification. And it's going to corroborate what the ELM says, the Employer Labor Relations Manual, section 513-361. That's going to be the section that's in dispute here. It's going to be Article 10 uh, on page 14 of the JCAM, and it's going to be the Employer Labor Manual, section 513-361. More importantly, it's going to be letter C. This is where we're talking about for absences of three days or less, because for absences of three days or more, or more than three days, we got to provide documentation. But this is for a single isolated absence. So we're going to be talking about letter C. And it states for absences of three days or less, a supervisor may require an employee to submit documentation of the employee's illness when the supervisor deems documentation desirable for the protection of the interest of the Postal Service. That's when a supervisor has acknowledged you and notated in their application that documentation has been requested and required when you report back to duty. This is the important paragraph I want to emphasize following on page 1015. This is what makes this contract grievance um, Corey said a tweener, it it puts a lot of burden on us. So as we get further involved and we start talking about our position and how we want to sell this to the arbitrator, this is why it's important to do your homework and get ready to put your best case forward because the sale is going to be most important when it comes time. This is what the parties have included in our JCAM. Numerous disputes have arisen over situations in which a supervisor has required an employee not in restricted sick leave status to provide medical documentation for an illness of three days or less. Generally, to challenge such a decision successfully, the union should demonstrate that the supervisor acted, now listen, these three words, these are the three words that are critical, that the supervisor acted arbitrarily, capriciously, or unreasonably in requiring the employee to obtain medical documentation. The union should be prepared to show that the grievant has a good overall sick leave record and no record of abuse. All right, those three words again, I wanna repeat those. Those are gonna be the three words that we're gonna attack and that we're gonna be able to try to demonstrate management did. That they acted arbitrarily, they acted capriciously, and they were unreasonable in requiring the employee to obtain medical documentation. Furthermore, again, this language corroborates the Employee Labor Manual. I told you section ELM 513-361, letter C. 
Let's talk about those three key words. Arbitrary. What does arbitrary mean? What does it mean to you? Well, the definition of arbitrary is based on a random choice or personal whim rather than any reason or system. The word capricious is given to sudden and unaccountable changes of mood and behavior. And I couldn't help but to look at the sentence that it utilized and to uh, help us with this definition, see if it sounds familiar. It's terrible to feel our livelihood hinges on a capricious boss. That's the sentence they use to describe the definition of capricious. Does that sound like a postal manager or supervisor that hinges on a capricious boss given to sudden and unaccountable changes of mood and behavior? Is that not how most things become a matter of grievance because a supervisor or manager had a sudden mood change or behavioral change? And then that word unreasonable. Not guided by or based on good sense. So all three of those are the things that we're going to be attacking and we're going to be showing in our grievance as we build our case file to show that management did these things, that they acted arbitrarily and they acted capriciously and they made this decision unreasonably. So now that we understand the definition of those three words, let's continue along with the contractual provisions that we're going to become knowledgeable of when we go to build in our case file. I told you that goes hand in hand with ELM section 513-361. You'll see it in there. Sick leave documentation requirements, three days or less. It says the same thing that the JCAM did on page 10-14. We want to be knowledgeable of this because this is what we're going to be attacking. Because it states medical documentation or other acceptable evidence of incapacity for work or need to care for a family member is required only when the employee is on restricted sick leave or when the supervisor deems documentation desirable for the protection of the interest of the Postal Service. That's what we're going to be attacking, that they're circumventing the restricted sick leave process that we're fixing to read about in the Employee Labor Manual and they're skipping forward and just claiming that the interest of the Postal Service is why they're requiring this documentation. You can find the restricted sick leave provisions. Now, it's good to be knowledgeable of the restricted sick leave, but if you're brand new to this or you're as seasoned as they come, I have not seen a restricted sick leave list in my installation in the five years I've been doing this. I've requested it on numerous times, whether it may be through the disciplinary process for attendance, whether it may have been a deems desirable case that we were working on. I always request that restricted sick leave list, and to date, I have never seen one because that requires management to have to work. And when we read these provisions on here, you'll understand why you're not seeing any restricted sick leave list in your installation or your station. And that will be found in section 513, 391 of the Employee Labor Manual. And it says supervisors or installation heads who have evidence indicating that an employee is abusing sick leave privileges may place the employee on restricted sick leave list. In addition, employees may be placed on the restricted sick leave list after their sick leave use has been reviewed on an individual basis and the following actions have been taken. This is why you won't see one, because this requires management to do the following. They must establish an absence file. Then they got to review that absence file by the immediate supervisor and higher levels of management. Then they have to review the absences during the past quarter of LWAP and sick leave used by the employee. No minimum sick leave balance established 
which the employee sick leave record is automatically considered unsatisfactory. Supervisor's discussion of an absence record with the employee. It requires them to get involved. And that's what we always argue a lot of times, segueing into uh, disciplinary cases, that you know management has a resource readily available. They have a provision that requires them to help an individual, to try to curb their attendance, to get involved, to help these individuals go over their attendance and help them along the lines through the quarter to try to curb their attendance pattern. But instead of doing this, that would require them automatically to provide medical documentation, they want to circumvent that and create what I consider a de facto restricted sick leave list by putting employees on the deemed desirable list. And this would be why we're going to challenge this when it comes to our knowledge. What is the understanding in the agreement between the NALC and the USPS on deems desirable? Is there something out there, a letter, a policy letter, or a step forward settlement? Well, there is. If you look in the MRS, in the index, again, if you look for deems desirable, you're not going to find it. But deems desirable is something that's notated in the ERMS system. You know, when we call in and we utilize the online calling service ERMS, it automatically sends our notification to our supervisor that we're requesting leave without pay, emergency annual leave, sick leave, for whatever it is. But this is the agreement that you'll find if you look in the MRS under ERMS, it will prompt you to M document 01597. And this is what the letter states. This is in further reference to our conversation regarding your December 1st correspondence concerning supervisory activation of the deems desirable option in ERMS and the restricted sick leave list, RSL, provisions of ELM section 513.39. As noted in our June 20th response to a previous NALC inquiry that included this issue, a supervisor's determination that medical documentation or other acceptable evidence of incapacitation is desirable for the protection of the interests of the Postal Service must be made on a case-by-case basis must be consistent with the provisions of ELM 513-361 and may not be arbitrary, capricious, or unreasonable. Again, you see those three words, arbitrary, capricious, and unreasonable, but what is critical in that paragraph is must be made on a case-by-case basis. Because how many times does this ring a bell? That you've been notified by your supervisor through a stand-up that all employees will be deemed desirable for the next weekend, for the next holiday, for the Super Bowl, for a period of time. Or you've seen notification on your time clock that's let you know that all employees will be considered deemed desirable from this date to this date. And all unexpected absences will require documentation. That is contradictory to what the agreement is between the USPS and the NALC that it must be made on a case-by-case basis because now you have blanketed all employees. You've blanketed any situation. They said that this will not be a case-by-case basis, that all employees will be required to do it. What could be more arbitrary? What could be more capricious or unreasonable to require an employee that hasn't called out in five years have to provide documentation to protect his absence with the individual that has an abusive sick leave pattern. That is not a case-by-case basis. Okay, that's what I need you to understand is crucial in this document. 
that this will be one of the biggest arguments that we have when we get to a situation where we find that management has used a blanket policy in covering all employees for a period of time in our station. That is M document 01597. As far as case file building, I look at this episode as we're kind of doing two things. We're doing, we're doing steward training. We're getting these new stewards. We're getting individuals, you listeners out there that are getting involved, that are wanting to get knowledgeable. These are the documents that you want to become familiar with. And then we're going to talk about grievance handling. We're going to talk about our position and our contentions and the sale, as Corey was talking about earlier, how we're going to present this. And we're going to utilize the documents that we request and build our position based on that and try to sell our position. Because at the end of the day, this is a contract case. The burden of proof is squarely on the union's shoulders. While I still believe management has borne some preliminary burden with how they did this, at the end of the day, it's a contract case. The union's going to go first, and we got to put on our show, and we want to sell the arbitrator on our position. So other key documents that may be beneficial that you want to have and go ahead and become knowledgeable of is M-00002. That's an M document. You can find that in the MRS. And this just talks about restricted sick leave. And it got actually highlighted or squared off. You'll see at the bottom there, it just states, however, management should inform employees prior to placing them on restricted sick leave that their usage of sick leave demonstrates a pattern of abusing the use of sick leave. Why this document may be important is because we're going to try to establish that management is utilizing deems desirable to circumvent restricted sick leave and that we consider a little bit of the rules that apply for restricted sick leave for deems desirable because they cannot put an individual on restricted sick leave without prior notice. This is part of the sale that we're going to say that management has an obligation, although it may not say it anywhere, but I believe and I we strongly believed in arbitration to convince this arbitrator that they had an obligation to notify this employee of some type of abusive sick leave pass that they should have notified this person that he was on deems desirable and they chose not to do so so that's why that important document might be beneficial to us in the future as building our case file these are things that we're going to put in our file either for discussion at informal at formal, we're going to put these in our file with our contentions, our full detailed written statement of facts to be able to help our advocate. He'll appreciate it for you. I know Corey definitely appreciates getting a good case file. I've done a couple arbitration cases, and when you open a file and you see an opportunity to put your side together and be able to sell, that is beneficial. This is a contract provision that goes hand in hand with that sale, okay? How many times have you done an investigative interview or you've gotten an attendance disciplinary action and you see in that body of charges ELM section 511.43 employees responsibility that goes in some effect, I don't have it in front of me, but the employee will avoid unscheduled absences. Pretty much is what it says. that uh, Employees are required to avoid all unscheduled absences. Well, the provision that I like and the provision that I try to use to sell my point is ELM section 511.42 because I believe before you can get to the employee responsibilities, we got to read what management's responsibilities are. 
So before we can ever get to 511.43, we have to read section 511.42. And this could be beneficial to new stewards to utilize in attendance-related actions, but in deems desirable cases, I found it beneficial and I found it worth the argument, especially if an individual has hadn't had any notification that he had an abusive sick leave pattern or past that this section reads in conjunction with that argument. To control unscheduled absences, postal officials must A, inform employees of leave regulations. That means they've approached an employee and notified them of their responsibility to either maintain regular attendance to uh, avoid unscheduled absences with 511.43, but they've spoken to the individual about leave regulations. They've notified him that we're seeing a pattern or we're seeing you approach that line of deficiency and we'd like to see you improve it. It means they're getting involved. They have a responsibility to do this prior to getting to deems desirable, restricted sick leave, or disciplinary actions. Those arguments can go in any one of those three categories because I believe management is lazy and I believe they want to circumvent their responsibilities and just choose to skip to discipline, skip to deems desirable. But this puts them on notification. It's in the Employee Labor Manual Relations book that they have to inform employees of leave regulations. Section B, discuss attendance records with individual employees when warranted. And when we get into in a minute my individual case that we had here in my installation, this was key. The individual wrote a great statement and it went hand in hand with 511.42 and we beat it to death in arbitration along some other things, but we beat it to death that the employee was never notified of leave regulations, but more importantly, he has not had an attendance review. Nobody in management had sat him down, reviewed his attendance, making him aware that he was showing a deficiency. They hadn't had any discussion with him, a 16-2 discussion, that he was showing a deficiency with his attendance and they wanted to give him the opportunity to rehabilitate. They never did that and we raised a huge argument about management's responsibilities. I told you a minute ago, I believe they have some burden to shoulder. We put that burden on them. You advocates out there, I know you talk about that burden of proof and it's, it's kind of on a pendulum and it swings back and forth through the hearing. It may be a contract case, but we want to try to shift that burden over to union to show that they did things and didn't meet their requirements. That's why 511.42 is so critical. Section C, maintain and review PS Form 3972, absence analysis, and PS Form 3971. That's our leave slip. Now, if you're a new steward and you're not familiar, and I got to pretend that you don't know anything about what I'm talking about, but a 3972 is a form that you can request. It's going to be in two pages, and it's going to look like just a big calendar from pay period one all the way through pay period 26, and it's just going to be just a calendar from Sunday to Saturday. And it's going to have all the way down through there, anytime an individual took leave for any purpose, or for, it'll be notated in there. But more importantly, at the very end of that, 
we'll get into it in a minute when I talk about information requests and we talk about grievance handling, why that's critical. But that's what a PS Form 3972 is. I don't want to skip forward to that other part of this, but that's what a 3972 is. It's a complete overview of an individual's calendar year and it's just a calendar, two pages. But that's something that management is required to maintain and review. So that's why we want to argue a lot of times that management failed to live up to their obligation under 511.42, but arbitrarily and capriciously and unreasonably placed an individual on deems desirable. We're going to beat that to death, okay? But that right there is going to be very beneficial. Put that in your case file. Print that section off. Put it in your file. A lot of this, new stewards, anybody, knowledge is power. We know that. But it's not going to be just readily available to you. It's not going to be given to you. But there is so many things out there that I have found along my way that whether it be on my lunch break, whether it be on my 10-minute street break, whether I just be sitting at the house, I want to know as much as I can. And I want to know a lot about what the Postal Service is using on their day-to-day -day operations. When we talk about ERMS, it could be DOIS, it could be RIMS, it could be DMS, it could be TAX, any one of those things that we're talking about, you want to get familiar with their programs. You want to know what they are using and how they use it and what we could use out of it. And so many of these things are readily available to you, you would be amazed. Just a simple Google search, a Bing search, whatever search engine you use. I promise you right now, if you pulled out your cell phone and you went to your uh, internet and you typed in USPS ERMS manual, it will be the very first thing that pops up. It will be the guidebook, the manual to all the ERMS and their different categories within that program and you can use that to learn about what they are doing DOIS, RIMS, DMS, simple Google search keep typing it in save these things to your thumb drive review them look at them there's documents and reports within these things that will be beneficial and crucial to you and it was two of these documents that were critical for us in my installation when we went to arbitration over deems desirable. Now, management never provided them to us, which made it even better in hearing, but I was able to explain how these two forms would have evidenced that management had blanketed this station in my installation as deems desirable for the Columbus Day holiday weekend. I'm telling you, go online type it in I'm looking at it right now and it'll come up as leave management for labor relations professionals arms technology principles of leave management okay a complete overview of the arms application now there's other things but do this new stewards review these things save them to your thumb drive look at the different reports out of DOIS the different reports out of tax contract cases the burden of proof is on the union, and the best and easiest way to satisfy that burden is documents, reports, things that we can obtain and request from management that are going to substantiate our claim that we have filed a protest in writing. That's what a grievance is. Management has 
committed an action that we believe has violated our collective bargaining agreements and we're filing a protest. But to be able to to support our burden, we're going to need reports. We're going to need information. We're going to need to put together things. And the best way to become knowledgeable about those things is to research. In that ERMS manual, now we can't grieve an ERMS labor relations manual, but what we can do is request information from it, okay? And in that labor relations manual, it states right here, and this is why I like this report and why I wanted to use it. It says, deems desirable. Supervisors will be required to make a comment as to why the deems desirable option has been activated. Deems desirable will still be enabled from the employee management screen. However, the supervisor comment screen will appear as part of the deems desirable enabling process. That was figure number 19 right up underneath it, deems desirable. When you download this manual, that's where I'm going with it, right up underneath figure 19. Right above figure 20, here's the report I wanted and why. It was the employee management deems desirable option. It was ERMS report 260F0. Now, a lot of supervisors and managers are not going to know what you're talking about when you request this. We'll talk about that when I get the info request, but this portion right here, we're just talking about things that you're going to want for your file and how to become knowledgeable. But right here in the middle of the screen, when you look at it, you'll see deems desirable documentation required, date from, and date through. The reason we want this is because it is my position that if this is a case-by-case -case basis, management should not be inputting employees on deems desirable for an extended period of time. That is what restricted sick leave is about. I talked to you earlier about they're trying to create a de facto restricted sick leave list. Management now is trying to circumvent those provisions by putting in an extended period of time. That's not what that M document we read about, 01597, that this is a case-by-case -case basis. Not what Section 513.361 of the LM says, that an employee may be required on a single absence. So if we get this report and we see date from January 1st, date through March 31st, I'm going to grieve that. I'm going to grieve that you're putting an individual on deems desirable outside those provisions and you're circumventing the ELM restricted sick leave policies. When a manager notates that box right there, documentation required, and this is kind of hard not being able to show you, and I'm going to get with Corey about being able to put some of these things uh, up on the for viewing, but you can download this. And again, I'm at figure 20. That's what the report is, 260F0. I probably said it 50 times in arbitration, <laughs> beating our 17 and 31 argument to death and how it avoided a, or prevented us from supporting our burden. But we had other things to support our burden. But I, I think I said it a 50 times. Matter of fact, I saw labor rolling their eyes at some point, like, could he say it enough? But it's going to automatically, when management notates that documentation required box, it's going to send them to the supervisor's comment screen. The supervisor's comment screen is on the very next page. It's figure 21. This is what it says. Once a check is placed in the documentation required box, the supervisor comments window appears 
and supervisors are required to enter the reason why the request for documentation was made in order to complete the deems desirable activation process successfully. Supervisor comments should be made in a professional manner and must abide by proper business rules. Good luck there. In the particular case I had, I did get the supervisor's comments and it just said admin not approved. I, it had nothing to do with what we were going after, but they did provide me with that piece of paper. But that is ERMS 515F0. Okay? ERMS 515F0 supervisor comments. And that's in the ERMS application. And we'll get to that when we're talking about information requests when we get to the individual case that I had. But that knowledge is power, people, and it's out there. So many of these user guides and manuals that we can get that information from to be able to attack management and the things that they're doing to our brothers and sisters, okay? I'm telling you, uh, 30 minutes on your lunch break. You'd be amazed if you type in USPS this, NALC that. There's things out there that can help us become more knowledgeable about the programs they have at their disposal and what we could request out of them. It's case file builders. And I am of the firm belief, this is how I view things. I don't mean to get off on a little fox trail here, but when I look at a disciplinary case, and I got a case in front of me, I look at it as it's a styrofoam cup of water. Disciplinary action, the burden of proof is on management, and you have set down a styrofoam cup of water in front of me. And I got a brand new, freshly sharpened number two pencil. And as I'm digging through this case file, and I'm trying to tear management's position apart, and that's what you need to be doing, tear their position apart relentlessly. I've heard Corey say it in a previous episode, we're lions. You're damn right we're lions. When it comes to protecting one of our brothers and sisters or our contract and that management met just cause, we are lions. And I'm the same way in a contract grievance. I'm going to try to overwhelm them, but I'm going to take that number two pencil and every argument I find, everything that I can discredit, I'm poking a hole in that cup. And that water's running out. And I'm going to find some more arguments. And I'm going to poke three or four more holes in that cup. And I'm going to poke that styrofoam cup until all the water has officially ran out of it. That is what I'm trying to do to management's position in a disciplinary action case. But when it comes to a contract case, that burden is on us. And matter of fact, we read earlier in 10-14 that the union must be prepared to show... That means we got to be able to show that this individual hasn't had an abusive sick leave past and that they acted arbitrarily, capriciously, and unreasonable. I look at it like I got a five-gallon bucket sitting on the table. And I'm trying to fill that bucket up with rocks. So when I find a report that supports my position, I put that rock in the bucket. When I get a good statement from the individual, the grievant, I put that rock in the bucket. When I get a document that supports my position, I put that in the bucket. I keep getting step four agreements, 
contract provisions, things that support our position that's going to help us with our sale. We're going to fill that bucket up with as many rocks as I possibly can because when I meet at the formal step A level and I slide my case file over to management, I fully believe in my heart I'm handing management their ass at that very moment. I want to dump out my five-gallon bucket and overwhelm them. I want to smother them. I want to cover them up. I don't want to just hit them with one rock. Even though it may just be the only rock I need, I want to hit them and overwhelm them with everything I can. So be knowledgeable. Get these things that will help you. I promise you, you'll appreciate it, and things will start being able to be easily more developed. Again, we talked earlier about this being a contract case, and I know Corey said this, and I was surprised too. When I look at arbitral precedents or or arbitration awards that are dealing directly with deems desirable. Some of you that have access to the arbitration search engines and you type in deems desirable, you're going to be scratching your head a little bit that we haven't been as successful as we'd like to be. Now, those circumstances are made on that case, the merits of that individual particular situation. So we want to do the best that we can to help build our case file on our situation. Okay, we read earlier. Again, I'll read it right now. Numerous disputes. This is on 10-15 of the JCAM. Numerous disputes have arisen over situations in which a supervisor has required an employee not in restricted sick leave status to provide medical documentation for an illness of three days or less. Generally, to challenge such a decision successfully, the union should demonstrate that the supervisor acted arbitrarily, capriciously, or unreasonably in requiring the employee to obtain medical documentation. The union should be prepared to show that the grievant has a good overall sick leave record and no record of abuse. That's a pretty strong burden. That's something that we're going to be needing to think in our minds. we got to be prepared to be able to satisfy that. Because that's going to be their argument. As a steward, as a representative, we always get so caught up in our position, we often sometimes forget to think about what are we going to be met with. Always think like that. Think, what is management going to argue? And how can I cut that off? How can I prevent them from being successful with their position? At the end of the day, this, this game's 50-50. No matter how good our position is, how bad our position is, we've walked in before feeling very confident and left the room, overwhelmingly won the hearing, but at the end of the day, they didn't see our position. And we've walked in there feeling not so good, <laughs> and we've come out again, we won the hearing, but we prevailed with a case that was not very desirable. So we got to be thinking what management is going to be trying to support their position. What are they going to be combating the union with? They're going to be trying to tear our position down with that number two pencil. So we got to be ready to build our file. Let's say you come in to work and you see like some stations that I've had to deal with in the past and we've been successful in this grievance. And you don't see this in my installation anymore, and I believe it's because we've been successful. But notices on the time clock. I'll give you a great example of one. This was a notification on the time clock. All employees will be placed on deems desirable 
for Sunday, February 13th, 2022, and Monday, February 14th, 2022. In the past, these days have resulted in excessive unscheduled absences. Any unscheduled absence will require documentation management. Well, if that ain't a kick in the ass, and that ain't more arbitrary, that ain't more capriciously or unreasonable, that you're going to require John, a 30-year employee who has 2,000 hours of sick leave accrued and balanced, to require him to provide medical documentation to support an absence, an unscheduled absence, and hold him to the same standard that an individual has that has an abusive sick leave pattern, that is as arbitrary as it can be. And that must be grieved. And you're going to grieve that. And you're going to support your position. Because M document 01597 states that this must be on a case-by-case basis. You have now made this a blanket policy for all employees. You've blanketed all employees as deems desirable. That they have showed an abusive sick leave past. That directly contradicts what the JCAM states. And we're going to challenge that decision just like the JCAM stated. That we're going to show that employees that are underneath this blanket have a good overall sick leave. They have a good overall uh, sick leave attendance record. We're going to use that M document to help support our position. If I'm steward and I'm handling this grievance and the information that I'm wanting to obtain to try to show that management blanketed all employees and what I could utilize to my benefit, I believe this type of situation is more easy to defeat than an individual deems desirable case because a blanket policy management has really abused their discretionary power. They have really misused the deems desirable application. This is not an individual case-by-case basis. You can obtain statements from employees. When they see this notification, it should infuriate them. If I'm a steward, this infuriates me that you've now circumvented the provisions of our collective bargaining agreement and you're holding all employees to a standard that is not in our agreements. If I'm going to request information, what I think would be beneficial to you, and again, I stated before when it, when it was opting, this information request doesn't mean it's the only thing. I just found these things beneficial to me. Again, if you're experienced in this and, and you have more experience than me, then congratulations, brother. I, I'm, I would be happy to hear from anybody. Again, I told you, if somebody's willing to talk to me, I'm willing to listen because if I know one more thing at the end of my day than I did at the beginning of my day, I'm a damn better steward. And so if I can gain anything from anybody, you please let me know because I do want to know. But the information that I would request or recommend requesting to help support this, I would start, I want the 3972s for all employees in my station, all letter carriers and CCAs. I want this to be able to show and hopefully show that I got numerous employees in my unit that have a great attendance record. 
They haven't had any absences or very minimal absences. How many times have you heard management, like in this particular case, it was Super Bowl weekend, it was Valentine's Day Monday, they said these dates in the past resulted in absences. I'm not worried about what another individual did a year ago. If I haven't had any attendance-related problems, if management hasn't talked to me about any attendance-related problems, why are you holding me to a standard against my collective bargaining agreements? So I want the 3972s to be able to show that I have numerous employees that have minimal to no leave usage. Also, I told y'all earlier what I found beneficial in these is at the very bottom of page two of the 3972, and this is an argument because I haven't seen any supervisor or manager in my installation use this. And so this helped me in our other case we'll talk about in a minute, but this helped me a, a lot because at the bottom of the 3972, it says attendance-related actions and dates. And reviewing supervisor comments, I haven't found a one that had any attendance-related actions and dates or any supervisor comments. We talked earlier about Section 511.42 to inform employees about leave regulations, to review 3972s. This is the very document they're supposed to be reviewing. You would think there would be a supervisor comment or related action and dates when they did this. I'm going to use these to my benefit, and I'm going to contend. I'm going to argue heavily that management hasn't informed any employee. They haven't satisfied any of their obligations. Before you can get to Section 511.43, you should be substantiating that you've complied with 511.42. And this document is going to help support my position. It's a contract case, and I'm going to support my position that you haven't made any attendance-related actions with any employee in this building. And now you want to hold everybody to a blanket policy that for whatever reason you need to take an unscheduled absence on these dates, I'm going to be, or you or he or she is going to be required to provide documentation. That report would be beneficial to you. In ERMS, the application of ERMS, there is also, also a leave usage slash call-in log. All right, again, I'm going to repeat this. Write these things down. Again, also download that ERMS Labor Relations Manual. Also, anything that you can think of that will help benefit you and support your position, use these things. Put these rocks in that bucket. We're going to try to fill our bucket up because when we meet with management, we want to overwhelm them. The ERMS leave usage slash call-in log. This is going to be a log, and you put the set date range that you want from the 13th to the 14th for the week, however long, however long you need to put it in there for. Request that document. It's going to show the employees that if they needed to or did, that called out, the date they called out, the time they called out, but to the far right of this document, you're going to see DOC required documentation required and if management has went in there and deemed everybody desirable they've put in a blanket policy and we look down through that right hand column and we see a bunch of Y's it'll either be Y or N and we see a bunch of Y's that 
substantiates our position that this was a blanket policy and it circumvents the provisions of the ELM and it blankets all employees and this was not a case-by-case basis. Remember, critical sentence, this was not case-by-case. This didn't have one individual. This had everyone. Okay, we want to hammer that home. Another report out of arms. Write this down. It's called the Key Indicators Report. And you can request it by calendar year. You can just request it by the employee. But I'm going to be reviewing these reports. And listen to me, people. If you if you request a report and it, it has things that's not benefiting you or that didn't help you, you don't have to put it in your file. But we're going to try to gain as much information, as much rocks as we can to put in our bucket. A lot of times what I find in the key indicator report, one reason I want it, it has the overall sick leave balance, annual leave balance. It'll show individuals how much leave usage they've had. But down in the administrative action report, down in the administrative action, what the Postal Service has done many times, more often than not, majority of the times, supervisors and managers don't indicate that they've done anything. They didn't indicate II. They didn't indicate attendance review. They didn't indicate deems desirable. They didn't make notations of anything. And we're going to use that against them, that they haven't even acknowledged that they've done any requirements, again, under Section 511.42. We're going to beat it to death, people. I don't care how many times I have to go over it when I'm contending something. I'm in arbitration putting my position down. I'm under direct question from Corey. I am going to emphasize to this arbitrator they did not fulfill the requirement. We're going to sell them that they have to. We're going to sell that arbitrator that management failed to fulfill their obligation and now they want to circumvent. They want to do a lazy man supervisor and just notate and blanket everybody with deems desirable. We're not going to put up with it. We're going to challenge it. Get these together. Use those things in your file. There is arbitration decision out there. I'm fixing to go over it about a blanket policy, about extended period of times. I told y'all earlier about a couple reports in the ERMS application that I found through the ERMS manual that I found beneficial for our individual case. But they may be beneficial in a case like this because that 260F0, that screenshot, that report that showed documentation required and a check mark, begin date, and an end date. And we're going to say that if this was a case by case basis and was for a single absence, management shouldn't be implementing a date range. And I guarantee you, when you pull these things, you're going to see weeks, months, quarters. And we're going to challenge that and say that's mishandling of deems desirable. That's not utilizing the deems desirable application. That ERMS 260F0 management will more than likely be unfamiliar with what you're talking about. Get this manual. Print that page off. 
because when you submit your information request, let me give you some guidance here, new stewards. When you submit information request as a new steward, you're automatically going to try, or they're automatically going to try to give you some resistance. They're going to try to give you the okie doke. We're working on it. We'll get it to you. Get this in writing. Submit this information request that you want these ERMS, key indicators report, the call-in log, the 3972s, but that you want the report from ERMS 260F0. And I've even given them guidance on how they can do it. And I put it in my information request. I want it by a screenshot or they have a snipping tool, meaning they can run a little square around it. It saves it and prints it off because they're going to say they don't know how to get it. It's obtainable. Don't let them fool you. Don't be buffaloed by a supervisor or manager that says they don't know what it is or they can't get it. Then tell them they need to get some guidance or this is how you do it. You can take a screenshot of it or you can take a snipping tool and cut it out, copy it, and print it. But more importantly, if you do something via email or you could attach this to your handwritten information request, print it off. This is the report I'm wanting. Right here on figure 20, the 260F0, this form. I want it for every employee in this building. And when they say, why? Because I'm going to show that you blanketed the entire station, that documentation was required from this date to this date, and it wasn't on an individual case-by-case -case basis. And get that information request signed, and you tell them you appreciate that, and you make them a copy. But now you have a signed document for relevant information pertains directly to your grievance that you're investigating. So when you don't get this information like I didn't, and you raise that 17 and 31 argument, it's beautiful in arbitration. It is gold. Arbitrator latched on to that argument, and we beat it to death, but she latched on to it and rewarded us for it. And she'll reward you too if you do that. I told you... Blanket policies not made on a case-by-case -case basis. We, this has been challenged in arbitration. This arbitration case, and, and you can put this in your file. If you're dealing with a blanket policy, you're going to want to get this arbitration. And I'm going to give you the number, and, and Corey can put that up there for you. But this arbitration site, it deals with two things. It deals with past decisions on deems desirable but it also deals with the case at hand of a blanket policy. Just like we talked about right here, a period of time for all employees. We're gonna challenge that. And it is C number 33650. C number 33650. And it was Arbitrator August. And I'm gonna skip to her discussion. I'm gonna start in her discussion on page 11. And this is what Arbitrator August had to say. She said both the ELM and the JCAM describe those situations where documentation may be required for absences of three days or less, and that is when, based on that particular absence, the supervisor deems documentation desirable for the protection of the interest of the Postal Service. The language used by both the JCAM and the ELM describe a deems desirable situation based on a particular absence. Neither the ELM or the JCAM describes a deems desirable list 
or deems desirable option to identify a particular employee and then require them to submit documentation for every absence during a particular period. The language speaks more to identifying a particular absence, which might prompt a supervisor to request documentation based on their belief the Postal Service interests may need to be protected. Thus, management in this case had a responsibility to comply with DRT decisions in the the aforementioned grievances. While it is certainly management's right, specifically the employee's supervisor, to request documentation for absences of less than three days, management must assign that deems desirable on a case-by-case basis based on a specific absence and not use the deems desirable options and ERMS to place a blanket restriction on an employee for an extended period. Based on the evidence of record and the arguments and contentions of the parties, the grievances sustained. That is exactly what we're talking about right here, Arbitrator August. Must be on a case-by-case basis based on a specific absence and not used as a blanket restriction for an extended period of time. That is beautiful language when we're dealing with deems desirable and we're dealing with a blanket policy. Get this C number. Get this case. Read it from front to back. Okay, stewards, get this information and this knowledge. Get familiar with the reports. Be that steward. Be that lion. Be that individual that's going to take blanket policies like this. This what I I call this bullshit. Take this to task, and let management know that we're not going to tolerate and put up with it. That you're not going to require an individual that has a great sick leave pattern to the same standard as an individual that might have a less substandard than the individuals in that group. Um, That's what I would recommend. Like I said, if there's more, if you got more things that you want in your files, great. But that is just what trying to help an individual getting started, a less knowledgeable person, that is how I would go about attacking deems desirable when I get a notification of a blanket policy in my group. Now, the case that came up in my installation, and if you're like me, when I first started, and I heard the word arbitration, and new stewards, if y'all have heard the words arbitration, it, it sounded mythical. To me, it was hard to imagine a grievance. It was hard for me to imagine a courtroom setting over a dispute. It just, until you experience it your first time, and and I hope you do, and I hope when you get in there that it, it speaks to you. It's the ultimate setting. It's the ultimate stage. And I'd be lying if I told you that in the beginning, uh, when I went in for my first time, I didn't have butterflies, because I did. But when I left there, I left with the feeling that this was awesome. This was the greatest stage and in environment to be able to put our case in front of an arbitrator, to take management to task, and to look forward to the next one. But it was mythical. I didn't believe it. You may be thinking that, but let me tell you this, and the reason I tell you this story is because you may not know, you may not ever know what case, and you will not ever know, what case has the potential to end up in front of an arbitrator. Some of the most ridiculous subjects that you think, eh, DRT will figure this out. 
I'm going to sit this one out a little bit. Just pass along my information. Don't do it. Don't do it, stewards. Every case, you put your best foot forward. Every case, Formula reps put together. Make a full written detailed statement of facts. Put everything in that case file that you can think of. Fill that bucket up with rocks because you don't ever know what case will make it in front of an arbitrator and it doesn't speak any more volume than the case I had in my installation. When I got this case, and I'll set the stage for you on how this become a matter of a grievance and how we went about attacking it, and we've pretty much went over how I went about attacking it, but I'll go ahead and set the stage. This individual called out on October 10th of 2020. That would have been a Saturday prior to the Columbus Day Monday holiday. Okay, he called out for sick leave requesting FMLA. He came back to work, and like you need to make all your brothers and sisters aware of is that when we return to duty from a sick leave absence, from an unexpected absence, we are required to submit a 3971. And I recommend it because if I requested something, I want to make sure I come back and request it in writing because I want to notate exactly what it was I requested. And that's what this individual did. Now, they had their computer-generated form. And let me tell you something, people. I'm not required to sign their computer-generated form. I, I don't care who told you you were. I don't care if you tell me I am, because I'm going to tell you I'm not. I'm going to sign my own 3971. That's the responsibility to the employees under the Employee Labor Relations Manual. Upon returning to duty, the employee will submit in writing a PS Form 3971. That means when I get back and I requested sick leave dependent care, I'm going to make sure that I got in my 3971 sick leave dependent care the amount of hours I requested, and I'm going to make my supervisor sign it receipt because that's what it says, notified of supervisor, or supervisor notified of receipt. That means, doesn't approve or disapprove it, but it means they've received it, and I want a copy, or I'm going to submit it in duplicate, either or. But that's the responsibility that you want to pass on to your brothers and sisters, not to uh, try to deter them, because a lot of Brothers and sisters out there think, well, I've already gotten paid for it. I'm not going to put anything in writing. It protects them because it protects them because when they request something, they got something in writing that says management has received it because this guy submitted his and the supervisor told him, you only get paid when you come to work. That was the response he got and he thought it was a joke. But when he got his paycheck, he realized it wasn't a joke that he had been given LWAP. He had lost eight hours of pay, and she said, because you were deemed desirable. And that initiated the grievance. So this is the case, and this is the stage that was set right here in my installation. It ended up going to arbitration that we built our position for, and we were very successful in arbitration, but it was the sale. Earlier, Corey told you about the sale. It was all about the sale. Because, again, it's a tweener subject matter. And you want to be able to show... If you got an individual that's calling out in conjunction with every holiday for the 12 previous holidays and management comes strong, remember I told you earlier, think about what management's going to say. If management comes strong, that this individual has shown a pattern of abuse in conjunction with holidays. That's a tough sale to get over. But in this particular case, 
we had to prepare our position to sell to this arbitrator and then we got going and this is how we attacked it first i told you about the information request we'll go over it again okay stewards i want y'all to know the things that we're going to be looking for when we request information write this down this is what we requested in this particular case we did the erms leave usage log the erms leave usage call-in log because i firmly believe that this was a blanket policy that was my position because this particular station had previous resolutions in my installation where they had put groups or all employees on deems desirable and i didn't think this was anything more than what was status quo in the past so that's why i requested that i got the key indicator report for all employees again that's the erms key indicator report I asked for all the PS Form 3972s, and I told you earlier because I wanted to see what attendance-related actions had been done in the past because this individual wrote a great statement, and we worked wonders with that. He testified to his statement, was convincing, and also when I came in and I put my case forward and I went over my contentions, I beat it to death. That ELM Section 511.42, they didn't meet that criteria. Those two reports, the ERMS 260F0, that's the documentation required box, the begin date and the end date. I wanted that for all employees. I wanted to show that this was a blanket policy covering the Columbus Day holiday. We have fixed days in my installation, so I wanted to be able to show that um, this was nothing more than a blanket, probably starting on Thursday and ended on Tuesday or Wednesday, that this was covering that Columbus Day holiday weekend, that they were not making this on a case-by-case -case basis, but more along the lines of a blanket. The ERMS 515F0 report. That is when they click the documentation required, they're required to put in supervisor's comments. I want to see why they put these individuals in for deems desirable. I also asked for the 3971 for the individual that we never got back, never received it. I also asked for the tax EERs for the entire station because in my mind, I was thinking of their position. And their position could possibly be that they put them on deems desirable and the interest that they were trying to protect was to prevent unnecessary overtime. I was going to be prepared to show, or hopefully may not show, but I was going to I was going to investigate it and see how much overtime had been used, how many people went home in eight hours, how this didn't negatively affect the postal service, that this was an arbitrary and capricious and unreasonable decision. So that's the information that I requested and why. Two things in this case that were important. I never received the ERMS 260F0. I never received the ERMS 515F0 except for one page. And that was for the grievant from about three years ago when it snowed. It said administrative leave not approved. So I raised a huge 17 and 31 argument that they were prohibiting me from fully investigating my grievance. Okay, we'll get into that a little bit in just a second. But when I tell you that when you submit information request and you do handwritten, you approach your supervisor, you ask them to sign it, receive, and you'll make them a copy. All right? If you do it via email, which I do, 
I put all this in the body of the email. I don't attach an information request. I want that body of the email to spell it out. And I send it to my supervisors or managers. I put everybody on there. I want to put everybody on blast. I'm coming. I don't hide from nothing. I'm hitting you square like a Mack truck head on. So I let everybody know that I'm coming to investigate a grievance. Okay? I received a couple, I wouldn't say they were relevancies, but I received a couple of, um, they didn't know what I was talking about when it came to the 260 and the 515F0. So I sent them, like I told you, I emailed it, I took a picture of it, I screened it in the body of the email, this is the report. They come back and said, we don't deem this relevant, you've got enough information. That was a great piece of information or something that I put in my file in the form of writing that they determined that I had enough to investigate my grievance. But we'll learn more about that because Article 31 says it's what I deem relevant. But anyways, that set the stage and that's how we got going. You might want to interview. If you're a new steward, Article 17 gives you the exclusive right to interview your supervisors, managers, brothers and sisters, whoever. I found in this particular case, I wanted to interview the supervisor to determine why she arbitrarily denied this individual's request. So formulate you an interview. Don't be scared, management. This is the time. Corey talked earlier about the, the, the yellow jackets. This is another form of a yellow jacket. We're coming. And when they see you starting to request to interview them, they're nervous. Why do I want to interview a supervisor? Because I believe they probably know less than anybody else in the Postal Service. Why wouldn't I want to question an individual and make it a matter of record? Because the further this goes up, that record is set. And they cannot later come back in arbitration down the road and change their position. I have their position in writing. I had a case not too long ago, and it, me and Corey swapped roles. I was the advocate. He was the formal A representative. But in his interview with the supervisor, we raised he raised a huge issue that management prohibited the immediate supervisor from meeting at the informal step A level in accordance with Article 15, Section 2. And when he interviewed the postmaster, he said, why am I meeting with you and not the immediate supervisor? He said, because it involves conduct. Well, Corey and his formal contentions as the grievance moved forward, it went, that was informal, it went to formal. He raised a huge contention that management was violating Article 15, not allowing to meet with the immediate supervisor, all the provisions in Article 16 that says it's the supervisor's responsibility, all those things. So we get to hearing. <clears throat> and this postmaster's testifying, and I'm sitting there, and uh, management's advocates asking them questions, and they start getting to that point where they're going to try to clean something up, and you feel it coming on. Advocates, you know what I'm talking about. You know when they're trying to fix and to attempt to clean something up. And he went straight to it and tried to get him, you know, so you met at the info. I said, hold on a second. Objection. This has already been asked and answered. It's on page 64 of the case file. I said any answer he gives other than what he responded and the opportunity he was given is going to be out of context and new argument. Arbitrator flipped to page 64. Manager's advocate said, labor 
said. So he, he's not allowed to say anything other than what he said right here, and the arbitrator shut it down. He said, anything other than what is written right here, I am going to take prejudice with the union. And that was a beautiful thing. So interviews are important because it sets that record. It prevents management from changing their position as the grievance evolves, okay? Simple questions. Easy questions. So I'll give you a couple that I asked in this interview that might be beneficial to you. What did you base your decision to give the grievance LWAP? No documentation was provided, was the answer. Did the grievance write a statement about his absence? Yes, he did. Did you inform the grievance? of what was acceptable documentation. No, I did not. Just documentation that covers the leave requested. Is the grievance on restricted sick leave? No, he is not. When was the last unscheduled absence for this individual? Over four months ago. What interest of the Postal Service are you trying to protect? Just to avoid absences was the answer given. Might not mean much, but it narrows the position down because this supervisor ended up coming to arbitration to testify and a lot of that had already been squeezed down. It's going to prohibit her from getting outside the context of that interview. So think about interview questions. Very simple. I want to ask the individual what interest they were protecting and you're probably going to get the deer in the headlights because... All she knows is she was probably told by higher management to put everybody on deems desirable, and that's what she went in there and did. She has no idea what interests of the Postal Service she's trying to protect or what ELM Section 513-361 states. All she knows is she was told it's Columbus Day, put everybody on deems, and that's what she did. Talking about grievance handling. Okay, stewards, we got to talk about issue statements, remedies. While informal aid requires us to meet with the immediate supervisor to discuss a grievance and that the formal aid parties are required to make the issue statements and re requested remedies, we still want to be knowledgeable about what we're talking about when we go to discuss that. And if you're trying to get used to formulating issue statements, this was the issue statement I used in my particular case. Again, uh, it's what I used. It may not be what y'all are using. You may have something better, but nevertheless, this will give you a, a basis to fall off of. Did management violate Articles 10, that's our leave, and 19 of the National Agreement via Section 5 of the Employee Labor Manual when they denied the grievance request for eight-hour sick leave, FMLA, and arbitrarily inputted leave without pay, on October 10th, 2020. If so, what is the appropriate remedy? My second issue statement. Did management violate Article 10 and 19 of the National Agreement via Section 513 of the ELM when they arbitrarily, capriciously, and unreasonably placed the grievance on deems desirable without any notice? Now you're saying, why do you got two issue statements? because we're dealing with two different subject matters. One, the individual requested sick leave and was arbitrarily been given leave without pay. It cost him loss of wages. Management harmed him by loss of wages. He requested sick leave in accordance with Section 5 
that covers our benefits. That's what Section 5 covers in the ELM is benefits, just like your paycheck. You're compensated with a paycheck for a fair day's work. You're also compensated leave to cover unscheduled absences, to avoid loss of pay. Okay, now the Postal Service is trying to tell you how to use your benefit, right? You accrue it, you try to use it, and here we are, loss of wages. That's the first issue statement, what it's covering. The second issue statement is covering the misuse of deems desirable, that management is utilizing deems desirable, not in accordance with our collective bargain agreements, okay? That's what that second issue statement is. I had a third and fourth. My third issue statement was Article 15. You say, well, what's Article 15 got to do with this? Well, if you, your station, or if you have B-team decisions for your installation, you're going to want to incorporate Article 15 if they have already given, you've already been given decisions that have told management to cease and desist arbitrarily putting carriers on deems desirable or given instructions on how deems desirable will be used and they went outside those instructions. You're going to want to raise that issue because we've dealt with this. We have a similar issue. That's what B-team decisions are for, to settle similar-like uh, infractions. And so if we have previous decisions, we want to incorporate that issue statement. And the fourth issue statement I raised was I told you I didn't get all my information. I'm going to make that issue statement. I had to add Article 15, 17, and 31 because I had previous uh, DRT decisions, arbitration awards, pre-arbitration agreements, formulae settlements from, from informal to arbitration, telling management cease and desist failing to provide information. So that's what we raised in that. That was our issues. Now, you're not required to write down an issue statement prior to the informal A meeting for the discussion, but get used to it because when you go to meet with management, and I told you earlier, you want to be knowledgeable. Knowledgeable is, Knowledge is power, and when you meet with that supervisor, you're going to want to tell them exactly why you're in here. You're going to tell them what they violated. You're going to print off these things that we talked about from Article 10, the Employee Labor Manual, the Step 4s, the M documents. We're printing that stuff off, and we're slapping it right down on the table in front of management and saying, this is what I'm here to discuss. Okay, so get knowledgeable of that. Get used to writing issue statements. That's the formal A's responsibility, but there's nothing wrong with trying to write down a suggested issue and present that. Okay? Some of the arguments that we made throughout our contentions, I told you, I got right off the jump. Right off the jump, 511-42, because the individual wrote a statement. This was his statement. Great statement. Not lengthy, but it went hand in hand with our point. I called out of work on 10 10 20. I requested sick leave for eight hours. The confirmation number is 105. Dot, dot, dot. On my check, I received LWAP. The supervisor told me when I return, you only get paid when you come to work. I turned in a 3971 and never received it back. I have not been talked to about my attendance. I have not been told I'm deemed desirable or on restricted sick leave. I was in no way aware there was an issue with my attendance. That went hand in hand with our very first argument. When I started formulating my contentions, I jumped straight to 511.42. Didn't waste any moment. That was the first provision. Now, how you do your facts and contentions, that's you. 
I personally do mine. I, I will put a provision down and I'll put my argument. I'll put a provision down. I'll put my argument. I just, that's my storyline. That's how I go about doing it. That was the story that went with this individual. And I want to talk to you about what the arbitrator had to say and the ultimate result. Again, put those arguments together. 51142 is beautiful. That 01597, a case-by-case -case basis, we argued heavily in hearing that this individual did not have, a, have an abusive sick leave past. That's what the JCAM says that we're supposed to be ready to support. So when I tell you, this ain't an automatic. It's an uphill battle, I believe. But nevertheless, if you do the work and you sell that arbitrator your position, I believe you can be successful with it. But I'll talk to you about the decision we got. And I'm going to start with management's discussion. I mean, the arbitrator's discussion. And this is from C35201. C number 35201. And this is what the arbitrator said in mind. And I hate to read, but this is the moral of the story. So let's read the discussion and findings, and, and hopefully you don't mind. This, the dispute between the parties in this instant case revolves around the grievance call-in on October 10th, where he requested to use eight hours of sick leave for that day. According to the union, management at this station, in this my installation, arbitrarily changed the grievance FMLA request for sick leave to reflect LWAP. Management contended that the grievance had been placed on deems desirable and, as affirmed in his hearing testimony, failed to provide any documentation to support his absence. Now, again, what was key is management never told him what kind of documentation. My PS Form 3971 is a form of documentation. It states in the Employee Labor Manual, I can write a statement. I was sick on October 10th requesting eight hours of sick leave because I was incapacitated to perform my duties. That is a form of documentation. Management refused to acknowledge what was acceptable documentation, and that's what I had asked in my interview. Tell us what you want. We'll always be at a disadvantage. I'll never know what kind of documentation you want. If you want medical documentation, that might be a part two to this series, but I am going to want some money back if you're requiring me to get medical documentation because I'm going to need to know where you want me to go. But that's for another matter. But this, we never know. We're always at a disadvantage. Sorry to interrupt. I, I made a couple of notations, though, throughout this. The union and the grievance alleged that management had not advised him that he had been placed on deems desirable and further had not met with the grievance or discussed with him any attendance deficiencies which would have caused him to be placed on deems desirable. I made that notation. ELM section 51142, it went hand in hand with my information request. I beat the hell out of the 3972s didn't have any attendance related actions. This individual hadn't had any prior discussions attendance reviews. Nobody had made him knowledgeable of the leave regulations or showing any type of deficiency along with any other employee in that station. 
I requested that information. I investigated it. The key indicators reports didn't evidence none. The 3972s didn't evidence none. They left out two key documents for my information. Beautiful. It went with all the rocks I'm trying to put into this bucket. So that's what you request information for, to support your position. And that's what we supported, that management hasn't done a thing. And they didn't even tell him that he was on Deems Desirable. Again, you won't find it in writing that they do, but we circumvent or we try to connect restricted sick leave with Deems Desirable. They have a responsibility to notify him. The union further alleged that management's decision to request documentation for the October 10th absence was arbitrary and capricious, and the service never notified the grievant that documentation was required. The grievant contended that he submitted and signed his leave slip on October 13th upon his return to work, and management never returned the form back. The form acknowledged by the grievant does not contain any information regarding the required documentation or the fact the grievant was deemed desirable. The form that he submitted, he never got back notifying him that he needed acceptable documentation. It was after the fact when he was given LWOP and we initiated the grievance and threw in the interviews that she said, it, well, I needed acceptable documentation. So that took me down that trail with her asking her about what is acceptable documentation. The grievant was absent from work for one day, eight hours. And the ELM provides further guidance on documentation required for such an absence as states, again, ELM Section 513-361. The union argued that the grievant was never notified by management that he was on deems desirable and further was not aware that management requested documentation for his absence. The union contended that management applies a blanket policy which places a group of carriers on deems desirable without attendance reviews or notification of such status change. See our position, our sale. This is our sale, that management doesn't do their responsibilities, that they're holding us accountable for things that we're unknowledgeable of, that we didn't have any idea that we had an attendance deficiency. I raised the contention that this was nothing more than a blanket policy. Now, I couldn't prove it because they never gave me the documentation I requested, which went hand in hand in my 1731 argument, but I can contend whatever. And since management didn't give me the documentation that maybe would have refuted that contention, it is as is it is. So the arbitrator is going hand in hand with our sale right here. She's explaining it in her discussion. There was no evidence contained in the record which demonstrated that the grievant was on restricted sick leave. According to the union, management simply arbitrarily decided to disapprove the grievance request for eight hours sick leave and change the time to LWOP. The parties to the national agreement at Article 10 agreed to the following regarding sick leave as well. You'll see that. That's Article 10, Section 5, Sick Leave. But the notation she made was, For periods of absence of three days or less, a supervisor may accept an employee's certification as a reason for the absence. She goes on to state, Without notification to the grievant that he was placed on deems desirable, the employee's request would be seen as an incidental request for an absence of three days less, as in Section 5D and the grievance anticipation would be that he would not be required to provide documentation to his supervisor. 
That was the contention we made because he submitted his 3971 under the contractual provision of Article 10, Section 5D, and that he was anticipating getting paid. It was later that management come back and said that he was deemed desirable and needed documentation. Management argued that the grievance had presented a pattern of call-ins on days before or after a holiday. This type of attendance issue may very well have proven sufficient to warrant being placed on deems desirable during those periods. However, the decision to designate the employee deems desirable must be met with some sort of notification. So she bought her sale. She bought her sale right here that this must be met with some sort of notification to the affected carrier and prior warning of the attendance deficiency must. That's a strong word. Must be discussed. Right? She's buying our sale that this individual 51142 kind of superseded everything. That they haven't done any of their requirements. I want to interrupt here and talk about something that just made me, it came to my mind. Don't be fooled by management or buffaloed by management when they say, well, he's always calling in conjunction with his scheduled day off. Okay? How many times have you heard that? Well, every time it's with his scheduled day off. So the only time I'm supposed to call in is when it's not in conjunction with my schedule. Well, what do I do if my scheduled day off is Sunday and Thursday? What do I do then? Because the only day I can call out is Tuesday. Because Friday is covered by Thursday. Wednesday, covered by Thursday. Saturday, covered by Sunday. Monday, covered by Sunday. What am I supposed to do? That's the only time I can call out. So make those arguments. Be prepared. Like I said, think like management. What are they going to argue? That is always one of the biggest arguments that management brings forth, that they always call in conjunction with their scheduled day off. Okay? So be prepared to argue against that. That's foolish. Again, I'm compensated sick leave. Okay? And then to tell me that I'm not able to use it to cover my anticipated absence... That's silly. The ELM and the National Agreement reserves the use of such management tools to when the employee is on restricted sick leave or otherwise when the manager justifiably must protect the interests of the Postal Service. She gives a little throwback here now. The arbitrator does not disagree with management that a pattern of call-ins in conjunction with a holiday could justify a deemed desirable designation However, management must notify the employee prior to the use of such leave and the designation must be decided on a case-by-case basis. So again, I told you this could be an uphill battle. She just said that she could see circumstances that do arise. So if you got an individual that has an abusive sick leave pattern, and I've lost this, guys, make no mistake, I've lost through the DRT, a deems desirable case because of this. It was that abusive. I couldn't get around it. We've been overwhelmingly successful now, so don't let that deter you, but there is cases that are just, that is what it is. It's, they've abused their leave. This is what she had to incorporate about our 17 and 31, and I told you earlier, I probably said these reports 50 to 100 times to the point I believe labor had just pretty much put their head down. Uh, at one point, they finally just acknowledged. We acknowledge he never got this information. But this is what she said about that. 
The service maintained that the union was not impacted because they had everything. They needed to determine whether or not management had issued a blanket deems desirable designation for all employees. Irrespective of management's position on this issue, Article 31 requires that the service make available to the union all relevant information necessary for collective bargaining or the enforcement of the national agreement between the parties. RFIs should be fulfilled as soon as possible. Management must provide the information requested and or written notification to the union as to why the information cannot be provided or why the information will be delayed. Based on my review of the evidence, facts, circumstances, and the parties' arguments and contentions in the case at bar, the grievances sustained. Management violated the national agreement when they denied the grievance eight hours of sick leave pay on October 20th and placed him on the deems desirable list without prior notice. And goes on to issue some cease and desist and cease and desist on prior grievance settlements, cease and desist on 1731. And the grievance was awarded his eight hours of sick leave, and she gave him an additional $75 because we had a settlement here in this installation that when management creates inconsistent leave policies, leave policies that are inconsistent with our uh, collective bargaining agreements, that these individuals will get $75. So she compensated that. So now we have an arbitration award to where they get the $75, and it was a good day for this individual uh, in this case. Guys, uh, I've talked a long time. I hope I didn't create another snooze fest. Uh, I always come into these podcasts, I laugh with Corey, and I say, I, I don't know if I can really do this. It, it's a tough task. Uh, I I love talking to individuals. I like trying to give anybody help that I can, and I always think that, you know, I, I can't talk on, on this particular subject. It's hard to talk to a faceless audience, but... I just want to challenge you listeners to continue to fight that fight. Gain as much knowledge as you can. This ain't the only two circumstances that you're going to have when you get to deems desirable. This is a a platform, a foundation. And that's what I wanted to give here today is just an opportunity for you to learn some important information that might be valuable to your request Um, contractual provisions that you're going to want to be knowledgeable of and want to know what you're contending against. And again, the the JCAM puts a strong burden on us. It tells us plain out that we must be prepared or we should be prepared. But this is a case-by-case basis. Don't be deterred if the very first one that you have doesn't go in your favor because maybe that individual did have an abusive sick leave pass or abusive leave pass. But be there for your brothers and sisters. Be there for those that are trying to implement blanket policies. Take those to task. Again, I am no expert in any of this. I have a heart for it. And I'm always, I started with contentions five years ago that you're constantly building and curving your position and adding to it. So um, keep fighting the good fight. Be that lion. Be that individual that's going to take management to task and challenge these inconsistent leave policies. Challenge management being a lazy supervisor and prepare yourself. Because when it comes to these gray areas, what could or could not be proper, you want to present your sale the best you can and curve your position 
The arbitrator bought it here in my installation, said it numerous times that management uh, did not give him any notification, never made him aware that he was showing a deficiency, and we were successful and got a nice arbitration award to utilize in our installation. Uh, thank everybody. Again, hopefully uh, I'm not as poetic or as uh, I would say as gifted as Corey is by no means. I am a fan. What he's done has been monumental and instrumental. So I hope you individuals are getting help and, and you're being able to find this useful. So I appreciate your time. Thank y'all for everything. Fight the good fight. Until the next time, see y'all then. All right. I told y'all, man, that kid, he, he going to get thorough with you. Anything you need to know about Deems is right there. So anytime you see somebody commenting about Deems, what's Deems, no such thing as Deems, there you go. Tell them to listen to this episode right here. Covered every bit of it. The man's gifted. Uh, next week, I was thinking about doing a window of operation dispatch of value case. I had a gentleman reach out about a topic he would like for me to talk about. I handled years and years and years ago. But uh, I have to get myself uh, studied up on it. So may do that instead. But regardless, we'll do something if it's wrong. So... Uh, y'all have a fantastic rest of the day look on the synopsis thing or where i put up uh, the sites and everything and i'm gonna have all the m documents the sites the contractual language everything that you're going to need i'll put it in there for this uh, deems case so those of you who reached out about the deems there you have it the man himself gave it to you y'all have a great rest of the week and i'll talk to you uh, next sunday